Welcome to episode 27 of Expanding Beyond. Uh, summer um, has gone again a bit here in uh, Munich, at least there's a lot of uh, thunderstorms and it's a bit cooler. Um, uh, but I personally went swimming today anyway. How about you, Monica? Uh, I'm doing fine. Uh, I'm, even if in the past couple of days temperatures have dropped, it's still acceptable. It's still summer overall. So uh, yeah. I just have to remember to close the windows and checking the weather forecast before leaving the house. That's one of them. That's true. Um, yeah. Otherwise, new job. So uh, many, many things uh, to uh, to learn, many, many things to um, get used to. Change of context, change of people, uh, trying to early on make some sort of impact. Let's see. So challenging times. Mm-hmm. I guess also fun in a way. Yes. So the feeling uh, that I have is that, I mean, it's that of frustration fundamentally uh, because <laughs> I'm a perfectionist because I like to be in the know-it-all. Uh, there's a reason why they call me Wikipedia home. Um, so there's all these things. The other day, what I thought was like, okay, but this means that I'm not the smartest person in the room right now. And this means that I'm, I'm definitely gonna at some point learn about these things and I'm gonna be knowledgeable enough to uh, give directions. And mm -hmm. this means that I've learned something new. So, yeah, there's this sort of advice from one of the great uh, jazz uh, guitar players who said, you should always try to be the worst player in the band because then mm -hmm. you learn the most. Exactly. So as much as it doesn't make me as a person at the moment feel valuable, I know that I'm going to uh, I'm going to become more interesting and more knowledgeable. So that's fine. Mm -hmm. Or that's what I tell myself to go to sleep. <laughs> When you're crying yourself. <laughs> When I'm sleep. in a corner, I'm like, oh, my God, what did I get myself into? Uh, that's what I tell myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah on my side so uh we talked about um how we are trying to decide how to uh, redo some of the parts of our application in our team um we finally had our meeting with management it mm -hmm. went uh reasonably well i guess it could have been prepared better to sort of present all sides mm -hmm. a bit better but in the end uh we sort of uh came to the same conclusion i guess or maybe Let's say we convinced management enough that they basically let us do what we wanted to do. Okay. <laughs> Because we had basically, worse. I mean, we had basically ticked off all the boxes to say, hey, we've really looked into this and this is why we think this is the better solution. Sort of, it was interesting to see because we had to have, in the process, we have had two developers, so me and another uh, developer, and one person that had been brought in to sort of help with ex uh, external tools. And you can sort of, uh, in the sort of um, preferences, you could sort of directly see who was the developer who preferred mm -hmm. to uh, build stuff in their known programming languages, who <laughs> was in favor of rebuilding something. So I guess it was just that the majority were developers that we, in the end, decided that we wanted to do, build that uh, project, mm -hmm. um, take what we know, uh, because the whole, most of what we have in the company anyway are Rails apps, that have been deployed to Heroku. We, we know how Sidekick works. It's sort of, we know how to integrate this and into our monitoring and yeah. everything. So we thought 
let's not start learning something new. What we try to do is not one of the, the standard things that are sort of where I can sort of pick an outside solution, but they are sort of custom enough um, that we would have to, even with an, with an external partner, with a tool that sort of provides stuff, you still have to write enough code and, and then it sort of yeah. became pretty hard to justify why you would then use an, another tool when you sort of basically have, I mean, with Heroku deployment is already figured out. There's not, no advantage to any other tools there anymore. And then it just comes down how, how familiar is your team with whatever tool you have. And there we are sort of now starting to build a completely uh, new project, mm -hmm. which is going to be interesting. I mean, this is sort of the big thing I did in my previous job as sort of one of the last things and that there it worked pretty well. Okay. And we'll have to see how that goes then. So now we can sort of start how to uh, start and figure out what the steps would need to be and uh, when can you start and have multiple people work on it? Because I realize, or sort of my feeling is generally, you need at least a few days or maybe a week or something where one person sort of tries to flesh out the rough architecture of mm -hmm. the thing. And then you sort of talk to the team and sort of agree if this is the direction you want to go or if they're sort of, you have made big mistakes. And I think only then can you sort of start to, to sort of parallelize stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where we are. Um, hopefully we can build something really custom that is even better than anything off the shelf. And that is it, which then sort of leads us to, to the main topic, uh, that I've put in bold, uh, I think in the last or the previous episode where I then said something about not wanting to start greenfield projects mm -hmm. and maybe you want to expand on that because, uh, because reasons, because, uh, it sounds like an interesting topic. Yes. Um, most of the time. Yes. I'm, I'm sort of, if you talk about uh, in air quotes, the big rewrite, mm -hmm. then I'm totally against that. But if it's smaller things, then maybe sometimes it can make sense. I think you basically nailed it. Um, that okay. was so, seven minutes. No, there's bye -bye. <laughs> there's no there's two aspects to this. So one is let, let's say the general uh, one, like the, the the main philosophy. There, I I totally share your your feeling. Um, if you you know that paradox of the turtle and the uh, and the rabbit. Um, yeah. When you are trying to rewrite something while having something running at the same time. What happens is that very likely, I mean, as usual, like generalization, but what happens very likely is that um, you're going to end up not being able to get to parity with the previous uh, system. And there's a reason why, especially in a, in a setup like ours, where we go, you know, lean and incremental architecture, evolutionary kind of uh, product where you test, where you try this and that you end up with a system that it's uh, pretty complex mm -hmm. and that has certain characteristics because your, your users and the environment have pushed in an evolutionary way your system to be like that. Yeah. All those little quirks that you think are bugs, guess what? They become features. People learn how to use the system in a certain way. So when you do the, the big rewrite, what you end up doing is uh, trying to catch up with something that it's still moving. Plus, it's much more complex than you originally thought. 
<laughs> yeah, this is always the case. Yes. <laughs> Irrespective of what you do. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so that's what I think it can it's something that you need to that you need to take on very um conscious of the fact that it will be uh, a marathon. It will be long, it will be gruesome, it won't be fun. Mm-hmm. As much as you think that it's going to be easy, uh, because you are writing everything anew. You're not. Uh, You're trying to mimic a system that still exists. And it's getting, um, and it's still getting updates. What could potentially, <clears throat> and would help you, Uh, would be to stop, and this is something that I think uh, people at Basecamp do, they stop developing further the product at a certain point in time, and then they rewrite the application. But you don't get any more feature in the new system. You have this period in between in which you reach the parity with the old system. I like what they say when you need, uh, at Basecamp, when they talk about this topic, they say, you have to shed all those little things that grew on top of your original idea that actually don't bring that much value. Mm-hmm. So if you do this, then you trim. Uh, again, you garden a little bit the, the application, you, you, you make it nice, and then you build a new one. But it's also something that, let's be realistic, how many companies are going to allow you to do? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. So I guess... There's no big controversy here because I basically no. agree. Um, so what we did in, in the previous job uh, company, I was, so uh, my boss, Niels, uh, we can link to our great episode with him, mm-hmm. um, sort of when we s- wanted to write a certain, rewrite a certain part of the app, he said, okay, we can do that, but make sure that it's going to be in production from as early as possible. Mm-hmm. Start with the tiniest feature you can, put it into production, and then just gradually shift stuff over so that you can, so that you don't, I don't know, do that big bang deploy and then you realize, whoops, this is going, this Very is so fun. slow. It doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> and that worked surprisingly well because then you also get directly get the the stats, the insights. Is it really slow? Where do you have to, to look into the, or is it maybe fast enough and you don't have to worry about it for now? And then I think it can work. Yes. Nicely. So with our stuff, uh, we sort of have the advantage that is no user interface. We do stuff in the background. Uh, we talk to our app via an API. We talk to external partners via APIs, and it sort of all happens in the background. And if only if it's I, I don't know, instead of taking minutes, it's taking days. Then we have a problem. But it's not like if you have I don't know. 500 millisecond response time, but now it's up to two seconds or something. That is, a, that's not, nothing we have to deal with. Luckily. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a bit of less pressure. It's also not, I mean, of course it's important what we build, but it's not like that critical that it sort of counts as an outage directly. If something is lower. Yeah. The controversy, what could be a controversy is that I also don't like greenfield projects for myself uh, i'm not the kind of person that that is really able to uh, go there come up with an idea i was like oh let's do that so if you're looking for side projects uh, that's not my thing um i think i said this already once like i feel myself i, I perceive myself more as a as a fixer in a way 
Mm-hmm. I like to uh, tweak and improve uh, running systems, humans or uh, uh, code doesn't really matter. But I'm not the kind of person that goes there and creates uh, something like that. Yeah, but sort of, I think that there's a very, very limited time where you sort of do that before it sort of goes over to, I don't know, fixing stuff and improving. For for that project back in the day, I don't know, I for one week I maybe worked on the project on my own. I sort of come up with rough ideas on, of an architecture mm-hmm. and then we talked with it talked with a team about it that said yeah sounds great and then we started uh working on on sort of the additional features in earnest and then we realized at which point that architecture wouldn't even work okay <laughs> and we we're fixing them right so it generally doesn't take long before i think before you sort of transition from this is a new project to something where you say hey we need to re- refactor this part because then it uh, will work better i think that time is really really short anyway so yeah, that's the the that's where the controversy I think might be. Yeah, but there isn't a big one, right? No. <laughs> Damn. Now I thought this we would is... have a big episode here, but now it's like fifteen <laughs> minutes and and we're done. But there I can I can add something on this instead. This is where I think instead we would have what would be useful. I agree with you, there should be a controversy at some point. If you surround yourself with people that you always agree with, that's a bad sign. <laughs> um, because it's it, it's hard to, um, again, to learn something from someone else, uh, to change your perspective, to uh, imp- build on what you already uh, what you already know. We have to find someone to invite that we can disagree with. <laughs> yeah, let's see if we can find someone then. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I agree. It's always sort of obviously the first reaction if someone has a different opinion is always, ah, what he's talking about. Uh, It's not really true. Why does he do that? It's annoying. But generally, after a while, you then realize that this other point of view is also valid. And you probably should have considered it (laughs) before you did your thing, uh, I guess. There is one thing about Greenfield Project that I can add to what what I said before, is that I don't, I don't have experience on that, actually. The last thing that I can remember, it's something I worked on more than 10 years ago now. And that was actually my very first uh, project in Ruby and Rails that I uh, did with a, with a friend of mine. Uh, and that was also our first um, uh, endeavor in uh, freelancing. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why I hate Greenfield projects. I mean, that project is still up, apparently. Maybe not. it's not exactly our code, but um, it's still there. But it was tough. Also because as um, when it's not your project, in this case, we were, uh, we're creating something for, uh, for a client. Mm-hmm. You have this, or at least I had the experience to have also to get out of the customer that is not a technical person the requirements for what they wanted to do. And without any previous experience of doing that, that wasn't fun. (laughs) So maybe your the that this sort of taints your view of greenfield projects then a bit. Possibly, possibly. Yeah. So for us it's it's sort of right, we are stuck currently with this big monolith. 
And this is sort of our way of, we, we are not exactly going to write microservices, I guess, in the sort of traditional sense, mm -hmm. but we are sort of breaking out certain chunks of that thing and say, hey, some, some of that code we can rewrite and reuse, but wouldn't it be better to, I don't know, reimagine the design uh, on both sides, wherever we sort of have to interface with the existing system and what we build anew. Is it really, does it really need to be a one-to-one -one, uh, rewrite or is that architecture basically partially accidental and we can build something that is has all the essential features, uh, but is probably simpler for everyone to do and to maintain. Mm -hmm. I guess this is where we are right now. And we have multiple teams that are sort of doing that at this point and we're currently trying to it seems to me a bit that every team basically reinvents the wheel a bit yeah and we're trying to redo this and and we just need to find the sort of the common ground of hey how does the authentication work let's not use keys or tokens that don't expire ever <laughs> maybe not from a security point of view the best idea no uh let's use something else um and stuff like that i think we just need to to, to build up that, that arsenal of standard um, things you're supposed to do. I think this is currently where we are. Where do you see, is there something that scares you of the decision you have taken? Not really, because we are not, we are not, we are not sort of starting from scratch to say, hey, this is all, all this code, all this functionality is currently living in this monolith. We are stuck. We are now going to start to split it out and uh, imagine an architecture of, of interaction and stuff like that and how that would work because we are replacing an existing external tool already. Mm -hmm. So the architecture sort of, how do you communicate with our system? That interaction is basically all defined. Now we just need to find a tool that is more efficient for us uh, to do new uh, development in a, in a more efficient and faster and uh, less error prone way. So the big architecture is basically there. You, we just we are just refining um, how that is supposed to work. Gotcha. I wonder how that is going to look like uh, in my new company because we are deciding actually to do the opposite. Mm -hmm. So instead of building, we are on the verge of deciding to uh, buy. And the thing that we might buy for, like to, to substitute for, um, we'll have probably more power, but we put a lot of effort in building what we have at the moment. So maybe partially it's, you know, sunken cost and, and you feel mm -hmm. that, yeah, that's not potentially a good move. But it's also that, as I said, It will, even if you're using something that it's already off the shelves, you will still need to customize it to your needs. Um, it, these are not things that you, that you can just purchase and use uh, as they are. So it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see if there's something like a yellow field project where you port to a new half created system, something that you created from, uh, from scratch mm -hmm. and how that adjusts. Yeah. I mean, it's always, always hard to make such a decision. I guess you can only be objective to a certain degree and then you sort of have to 
I don't know, go with your gut eventually to figure out is this really, uh, is this the direction you want to go? Is, isn't this? Um, so for us, it was mainly because we are interfacing with third-party APIs, but third-party APIs that we are interfacing with are so tiny and so obscure mm. that there is no, it's not Salesforce or GitHub where whatever vendor has already provided you with an integration. We would have to write all that stuff anyway. And then the rest of it is sort of that there isn't much anymore to do, right? You know, you sort of need to figure out what are the pitfalls of whatever API you're talking to, because there are always weird things like, I don't know, we have an API where at a certain hour of the day, it just doesn't return anything. Okay. In, instead of giving us a, f a 500 or 503 or whatever, because they're doing stuff, they just return an empty array with no results. <laughs> and then you call the okay. API a few, few minutes later, then you get your results like normal. <laughs> So it's, it's stuff like that, that you all have to figure out. And I think this is for us where the time is going to be spent. Mm. And then it doesn't make sense to, to sort of trade off because there you only really spend a lot of time on it. And then the rest is basically not so difficult anymore. So let's go with the stuff that we already know. I wonder when system becomes clearly too, too obsolete. What are the signals that you have to look for? Uh, to, to say, okay, we need to pull the plug. So for us, it is basically uh, more and more errors or bugs come mm. up and you don't fully understand where it's happening, why this is happening, because it's becoming so complex. People don't necessarily want, or maybe developers even don't want to look into the code anymore to figure it out. Okay. I mean, this is currently where we are. We, we are sort of just nursing along certain certain pieces of code until we get around to uh, redo them because that seems more efficient trying to really understand what code I wrote four years ago or five, basically. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Um, I mean, this is a topic that goes hand in hand with the one about technical debt, if you think about it, because fundamentally what makes you say we need to rewrite everything, the fact that the system is not a it's not even that it's not functional because for sure it's still serving its purpose, but it has become so muddy, I would say, that or so old because it's using, I don't know, an old technology or, or things like that, that makes you say, okay, it costs too much to still deal with this. Let's move to uh, a complete new, uh, new approach. I mean, I'm, yeah, like we talked about there, you need to be careful to <laughs> not try to rewrite the whole thing at once, but sort of do it gradually. And I think the big thing there is sort of to take this opportunity to really look at the features and figure out the ones that are actually necessary mm. because maybe customers actually use them and sort of cut out the, the extra complexities that at some point you thought, were going to be the hit, but no one understood them or uses them. And then sort of take this opportunity to maybe take a bit more time with the rewrite and actually think about this from a, from a user perspective to see, Hey, can't we simplify this now that we've run, the system has been running for four or five years. We have pretty, a pretty good idea of what features are actually necessary. Let's just 
why we do re the rewrite, let's cut out the stuff that just unnecessary complexity. And then I think then such a rewrite actually also makes sense or makes more sense because you um, modernize the system and you sort of remove complexity that that's just, I don't know, there for, for no apparent reason anymore. No apparent reason, yeah. Until you receive that infamous email from the customer. Like, where did this ended up? I need it. Yeah, maybe. But but I guess you should have enough uh, monitoring or whatever to know what features are actually in use and which aren't. Because we sometimes have stuff that is sort of there and some people, and then it's not really in use, but you're also not entirely sure if it if it sort of has any big impact on the system or if it's just a remainder of a feature that was never fully uh, removed. <laughs> and you should just sometimes just instead of being scared and trying to 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 sort of keep it going to just really spend the time to figure out how far does this functionality go why is it there and do we still need it sometimes we have stuff in there where i think we could just delete it and no one would would care basically yeah that's one um that's a good point about monitoring and um i haven't been in this company long enough to know how and, and what is being monitored, I'll keep you posted. But uh, in my previous experience, that was something that we had to consciously look at. So we would have plenty of dashboards to uh, check um, which, how many users were using a specific endpoint or a specific feature. Mm -hmm. um, because if here we're not talking about Greenfield necessarily, but in general, like how do you remove things that are being a burden for for you and, and, and your your application so we had to uh, uh we came to an agreement with product and business about certain conditions that uh should be reached in order for uh engineering to be able to pull the plug on uh specific endpoints in this case so we agreed that um if it's not uh in, if it's not enough users we have a number like I think it's like X hundred user per month or something like this. Uh, that's one of the factors. The other factor is is this a uh, is this a free or a paid functionality? So there are other thresholds uh, might 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 be needed. Is it even possible to uh, limit the damage by suggesting people to upgrade? This was something that was uh, with. For example, with iOS, doesn't happen that much. Usually, iOS customers are pretty fast in upgrading their uh, their systems, and there aren't that many users that use very old devices. Also, yeah. because Apple itself drops the support after a while, so then and in general, iOS users tend to spend more. So there's also that part; <laughs> they are more likely to change their phones. Um, for Android users, that's more difficult because there is uh, more variety of devices. There is more, if you think about it, and I, it, an Apple device is usually a first world device, uh, rich people mm -hmm. device. While Android phones are so ample in their uh, offers, in, in their offer that you can get people that are extremely, again, very, like you could match them with the typical iOS user, 
but you also get the long tail of people that are, I don't know, imagine your grandma with a phone, like what, what would you purchase her? Like something that is uh, cheap and uh, runs an Android because that's how it yeah. works. Right. Um, that's, true. that's true. So there's also these factors that need to be uh, taken into account. So all these then are, were agreed upon with product and business and by monitoring specific endpoints, we were then like, okay, we can drop this, we can drop that. But this might mean that in order for uh, removing a functionality, it might take a year if you're moving fast. Um, yeah, um, I mean, that's true. Stuff like that is always, <laughs> it always a really long game. That's true. Um, so this is basically always, I guess, initiated by, by a developer, basically. We have this tendency to say, hey, this is extra code. Can't yeah. we just delete it? Yes. Have you also seen this sort of happen from, from the other side? That sort of a product says, hey, it's too complex. Can't we simplify what we offer? Users don't understand it or mm, stuff like let that. Let me think. I mean, there is the concept of product and design debt. Yes, it's not as known as technical debt, but it's... Uh, it's something that is there. I'm thinking about a specific case of something like that. Yeah, because as sort of the normal interaction is features need to be added and then someone, sometimes a developer has to <laughs> has to argue for removing stuff. Actually, yes. I can, I can think of it. In the, uh, in the fitness application we were, I was working on before, um, we have this concept of training journeys. So you have, um, based on certain criteria, you are proposed um, a bunch of journeys that uh, cater to this or that need of yours that are, that are tailored to uh, your specific gender uh, or to your specific age, uh, things like that. There uh, has been a conversation about, uh, do we really need so many? Mm -hmm. um, so right now, what happens, you have a very, you go to a section of the app and you have a very, very long list of uh, journeys that with the kind of detail that we provide users up front, not a lot, um, they are hard to, how do you distinguish them? I mean, yes, you have a few criteria, but you don't really get what is the advantage of one over the other. Mm -hmm. when you have so many options. So the point is that it's like, okay, do we need this kind of choice uh, to this extent? And then there's also the discussion is like, should we instead have uh, one that changes with, you know, how users, uh, the, the user input at some point, but then that would be, uh, that would be a perfect case of a big rewrite due to, we don't need this feature anymore. People don't need to pick anymore. We provide them with what they need. Mm -hmm. But I think that playing with these kind of, like coming from outside, if I'm, if we're thinking about an architecture, uh, this is something that comes from uh, the outer layer of the organization. I think this makes it more risky in the sense that you don't know how users behave upfront. So it's part of that concept of, you know, value creation uh, and figuring out if you're doing the right thing. So there you go and you A-B test and you try this and you try that and you do experiments. So mm -hmm. it also, it's just as long, I think. 
but because you have to justify the action ex ante. In our case, as engineers, it's like, hey, look, there's like 100 people using this endpoint. It's just stupid. We don't need it. Yeah, that's true. That's sort of, that's easier to do. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, we are sort of currently sort of not maybe as really huge projects, but we are actually having discussions in the company of certain really core features and figuring out how we can sort of simplify those and sort of improve them to make the system basically more modern and more performant uh, because that's a, it's a very sort of without really going into detail it's a very it's a system that can can do a lot mm -hmm. and therefore is somewhat complex but the actual use cases are just very few and i think very narrow and you could sort of um, sort of after how long this company has been around and we basically know what the use case or use cases are, we could just basically abandon that general architecture and say, hey, these are our use cases. Let's focus on those and sort of optimize those. That's a very good point too. There, I think, again, it, it comes to a business decision in a way. Are the less glamorous use cases still worth the money? Um, that's, a, that's a hard question, I think. Yeah, it's also a very hard discussion to have, or mm -hmm. in our case, we're trading off between features and sort of the actual performance of the system, which would probably be greatly in increased if you sort of cut down a bit. But of course, <laughs> you only know when you start doing it and then you've exactly. gotten rid of the features already. Yes. And there we circle back again to the concept, I think, of uh, technical debt and technical investment that it is still somewhat harder to quantify um, than, mm. uh, than other aspects of the business. How do you measure upfront the advantage of having that feature removed? And there's another, uh, going back to what you were saying before about, you know, like uh, as engineers, we come across pieces of the system. And I was like, why is this thing still here? Like nobody's using it. It goes back to, I think I also said this already once, at least, do you really need it to be removed? Yeah, that is true, of course. There's always that piece of code that's not in use, but removing it would actually be, I don't know, at least be a huge testing effort to make sure that this is actually not breaking yeah. anything if you remove it. So sometimes it's true, sometimes it's it's easier to just leave it if you're not, if you don't, I don't know, gain anything apart from less code, which in itself, of course, is great. Sometimes it certainly isn't enough in all cases mm. to justify all the amount of work that you need to put in. So there, I could imagine if, if we go back to the concept of, you know, a greenfield project and what we were saying about feature parity and figuring out what to, what to recreate and what not, what I could imagine being a good practice before getting yourself into, and let's rewrite this, would be to observe your code and how often that code has been uh, changed. With something like GitHub or Git in general, it's something that I wouldn't call it trivial, but it's not that complex to do. Those part of the system that, hasn't, uh, that haven't been changed for a very long time, they're either very well coded and core. So they are the innards of your, uh, of your system mm -hmm. and therefore everything else is built upon it. You don't want those parts to be changing that fast because if they do, it means that you haven't really understood. Like it, it's not the core yeah. by, by definition. Um, 
but there are definitely other parts of the system that are not being um, changed because they are like that branches fundamentally. And then if you do this kind of uh, analysis, you could identify those things that are extremely useful and those things that are uh, extremely useless and everything in between. It's something that uh, you need to, uh, that's what you need to stop developing. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. All right. I think we are still done with this discussion for today. By next time, we can find something that we disagree on. Although I think yes. it's going to be hard. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's not that easy. Yep. All right. <laughs> so uh, while we think about uh, how to disagree with each other, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Monica, where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter, my favorite platform for ignoring the rest of the world and renting out there at uh, KF Molly with an I. Uh, you can find me on uh, LinkedIn, on GitHub as Nirnet very often. Uh, you can find me on my uh, website at uh, monikag.me. Right. And you can find me also on Twitter as EJH and, of course, on LinkedIn, GitHub and on my website, urbanhafner.com. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at hosts at expandingbeyond.it. And if you like this show, maybe you want to give us a rating or review on whatever podcasting app you use. And maybe you want to tell someone so that they can also listen and we can grow our audience. Yes, please. Especially the rating. Those would be great um, because this means that more people can find us on the stores. So we, of course, appreciate and encourage you to share uh, our podcast with your friends. Random people are people, too. (laughs) Is that going to be our podcast title? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye, Bye, people. (laughs) 